Welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sonnet Simmons. And I'm John Kleinbaum. Each week we sit down with top professionals in the sync world to discuss their experiences and offer inside insights on what it takes to play song to picture. From music supervisors to ad agency executives, from trailer houses to indie artists racking up licenses with their music, we'll be talking to all of the people who make the sync magic happen. Music is the backbone of a successful film or TV show. It's all about finding the right fit for the right song for the right moment. I think the key to success in music licensing is really building relationships. If you're passionate about music and the business behind making compelling media, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we dive into the fascinating world of sync and explore it with the people it takes to make it all click. The Music Licensing Podcast, where business meets the art of storytelling in media. Are you loving the information shared by our guests and hungry for more? Consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Our patrons get exclusive access to extra content from our guests each month. We have bonus content in our Patreon page that is only for our patrons. For $3 a month, you get this access and you help support us bring this podcast to you each week. You can go to musiclicensingpodcast.com to become a patron today and get extra access. Hey friends, welcome back to the Music Licensing Podcast. Today we are sitting down with John Anderson from Two Story Media and we're talking about gaining fans as an independent artist. He is here to give us insights and strategies on how to get heard and be understood by new fans engaging with you. Um, we talk about building your fan base. We talk about engaging with your fan base. We talk about Spotify streams. We talk about playlisting. We talk about ads to Spotify. We talk about it all. So if you're looking for ways to promote yourself as an artist, to gain followers who really care about what you have to say and share, this is the episode for you. We cannot wait to dive in. Shall we get this uh, show on the road? Let's get the Let's show on the road. Let's do Hello, it. Hello, John. It. Welcome. Hey, John. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. So great to have you here. Now, we are big advocates for independent artists, songwriters, producers in the community that we run. It's obvious to me, seeing what you're all about, that you're really focused, first and foremost, on helping artists to get heard and be understood. In terms of like what that translates to in terms of you know what are the things that artists how can they get heard how can they be better understood in terms of being able to have their brand more clearly understood by a larger audience or just having their stuff get playlisted or what are the ways in which artists that can actually happen for them yeah that's a good big question um so I've made that slogan. I made that my slogan a few years ago. Um, and I thought that the what set that slogan apart was the getting understood or be on it's get heard and be understood part. Uh-huh. Um, because a lot of the music promotion things that I was familiar with at the time were like very focused on like how can we just get the numbers up? How can we put mm-hmm. it in front of people's ears? Um, and what I wanted to focus on with my agency was getting artists to be understood, like getting people to engage more deeply with the music and with the artistry. Mm. Um, so there are, in terms of like tactics and channels, man, there, there are lots of different ways to do it. Um, when I started out, 
when I started my company, I was primarily focused on PR. And I defined that in my head as traditional like press outlets. Music blogs was how I got into the space, helping artists get covered in music blogs. And I, I realized um, over the course of about five years of doing PR that I actually didn't think that that was the best way for artists to get heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually think it's it's still a pretty good way for artists to be understood because PR allows you to tell your story. But I didn't think uh, placements in music blogs and magazines and those things were quite as effective at getting people new ears on your art as they had been maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so recently, the main service that I've been offering is Spotify promotion, specifically with meta advertising. Um, and so I found that to be a pretty effective channel for getting new ears on music, running ads on Facebook and Instagram and sending that traffic to Spotify um, is one of the main services that I'm offering right now. Um, yeah, so I would say in terms of getting heard right now, what I'm seeing working is social media. Obviously, there's a ton there. Um, Spotify is my favorite streaming platform and they'll push out your music. Um, and then kind of like a more meta thing, but collaboration. Um is one of the most effective ways to reach new audiences. So I would say those are three of the channels right now that I'm seeing artists get heard on. Wow. <clears throat> you, it, that was such an articulate and effective answer of really kind of broad strokes, you know, as an independent <laughs> artist putting something out there, I think the question comes up like, am I going for streams? Am I going for people to be like a true fan so that they're like following me on Instagram? Because you don't, you can have one or you can have the other, but they don't, you know, where's that crossover? So you talking to like the crossover of real fans that are also listening, that are, that understand you and are your fan because they, they are relating to your art is, is really such a, it's what you want as an artist for the longevity of your career so that the next thing comes out and they're paying attention. They, they have some understanding of your story. So I guess my next question is like, what, if you had to pick, let's pick social media to start, um, how, what are some of the tactics or advice, tips, strategies that you can, that you can share with artists to help them kind of see people understand what they are, but also that translates to listens or plays or hearing the music. Yeah. Um, can I actually back up one step from there and just talk yeah. about what I think makes somebody a fan? Yeah. Um, so I would define fandom as being willing to sacrifice for the artist, mm. which is kind of a strange definition, but it's like, the more that you give up for something, the bigger a fan you are of that thing. So mm-hmm. like if you pay a hundred dollars to go to a concert, you are a fan of that artist um, versus if you stream a song once you give up two minutes of your life, like you're not as big a fan. So I think of it kind of on a spectrum and the more you sacrifice, um, the bigger a fan you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you trans, so then taking that to social media, like how do you, it's the, it's, it's the same framework of like getting heard and being understood, like getting heard is the getting in front of people being understood is like, how do you actually create the, how do you get in front of people on social media? How do you actually create the fandom? Um, and there are there are a million ways to get in front of people um it really depends on what you are as an artist like what kind of content will work for you what kind of tactics will work for you but to be to get that sacrifice 
part, you have to have things that people can sacrifice for. Like you have to have a world that people can enter into and give things up to enter into. So mm. like the most tangible way is having products, um, having events that people can like buy a ticket for, pay time or money to enter into. Um, but if you want to make fans on social media, like you have to have that deeper world that people can give something up to enter into. If all mm. that is there is like the facade of social media and there's no deeper level, then you might be able to get in front of a lot of eyes, but you won't be able to create like real deep engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, I love terms that term. Of, oh, I'm sorry. Continue. No, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, I love the the concept of world building in terms of the artistic expression extending beyond the creation of music and and making turning casual fans into people that are part of a community, part of something that's much larger. And that investment, perhaps turning those people into fans, into people that are willing to make those sacrifices like you're talking about. Yeah, I've heard people describe it as like, building the house so a lot of people focus on just building the door and like i want to just get like get people in but you have to have the actual house fleshed out for it to be worth Mm -hmm. coming in the door Mm -hmm. um yeah so world building is a big part of creating fandom that all that all can kind of be categorized under artist branding it's just different frameworks to think about it um can you give us some examples on what that can look like like so an artist is listening to that and they think oh okay like where do i even start with it with world building you know because we don't see we don't see a lot of that and i can totally understand how that makes the difference and so how do you kind of commit in a bigger way um are there some examples that you can give around that um Trying to, I always struggle to be, uh, I tend to think of like broad kind of philosophical brushstrokes. Mm-hmm. So I always uh, struggle to get tactical. So when you ask me that, I want to back up and I have a framework for thinking about community and it's four things. And then I can give examples of those four things. Okay. But, I so love like it. to create the house, um, to create a community of fans and create a world, I think about needing shared context, um, shared values shared actions and then social ties so those are what i think of as like the four pieces of community um Mm -hmm. so shared um shared context that's basically like the art that you're creating that's the stuff that your fans are meeting around um a play uh your songs your music your concerts like you're creating like actual things that people can come and meet around um you'll find that the artists that have the biggest fans have the biggest, have the most pieces of shared context. Like it's easier to be a fan of the Beatles who literally just put out another song and have a million pieces of music, a million like movie, like there's so much context out there about the Beatles. It's easier to be a fan of the Beatles than it is to be a fan of an artist who has one song out on Spotify and has nothing else out. Mm -hmm. So shared context is a pretty general term, but basically it's just any piece of art that you can create expands like that catalog, um, shared values. So that's people tend to be fans of thing of artists that they feel similarly about, like that represent values that they share. Mm. Um, that's one of the first things you can do as an artist is like, think through what are the, like, what do I strongly believe? What are things that I feel like are worth living for, worth making art for? And then that will drive a lot of the context that you create. Um, the things that you value, the things that you stand for will then shape the context and that attracts people. Um, shared actions. So um, 
fan bases that act together tend to be stronger. So you'll see like, uh, I'm trying to, I like, like Lady Gaga has like the little monsters or whatever, like Billy, what are Billy Eilish's fan? Like there's all these fan bases like, oh, Swifties is a, you know, huge classic mm-hmm. one. Right. Uh, but they're always doing stuff together. It's like Swifties are like phoning the NFL about Travis Kelsey. Like they're always doing things together. Mm-hmm. And so as an artist, um, just coming up with things that your fans can literally do, um, is a way to create space for shared actions. And then the final piece is social ties. And that's when your friend, your fans are like friends with each other when they have relationships with each other. Um, that is something that you don't have a ton of direct control over as an artist, but as you create more context, as you define your values and as you give them opportunities to act together, when your fans become friends with each other, that's like the final stage of fandom. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's a real fan base when they're Mm -hmm. friends around your artistry. Um, in terms of actual things to do, the main thing you can do is just make more art. Um, that's like the underlying engine of all of it. Um, whatever shape that takes will depend on what you what you like to do but yeah make more art and then give people opportunities to act um yeah wow this is all fascinating stuff to me in terms of just practical things that in and in a way like that framework gives you kind of a blueprint for building that house so that you're not just creating a door and it's like what are people coming into um I think one of the things that just kind of popped up to me is that I'm sure, and I just know from my own career growth in the music industry, that there have been times where I've had to kind of imagine the ceiling of what's possible for me being much higher than it currently is. Hmm. And as you're talking about this, you know, comparing an indie artist to Taylor Swift, who has like these uh, massive fan base of like uh, borderline rabid fans, Swifties, all uh, willing to do anything for the artist. uh, How does an artist, and it sounds like you've worked with so many artists in terms of this growth that we're talking about, but in terms of, how putting yourself authentically into a place of buying into the idea that you could have a community that call themselves whatever it is that you come up with for your artist brand and and authentically owning that. It seems like that's got to be a huge part of whether that succeeds or not. And if that's the case, how do you infuse that into the conversation that's happening? How can the artist really step up to the plate and, and show up for that? Is that something that is a, a challenge in, in this work that you're talking about? Yeah. I think the main challenge is you just have to do it. Over, you have to do it consistently over a long period of time. So you look at like Swifties now versus Swifties after she put out her first EP or whatever, like the level of engagement with the fan base now would be so much greater than it was 20 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um, so I think that's the first mindset piece is like, you can't just release music and expect that in the next three months, you're going to have a Swifty fan base. Like you're not, mm-hmm. you're not going to, maybe your mom and your best friend will be your Swifties, <laughs> but like it's, it's going to take some time. Um, mm-hmm. so I think that's the first mindset piece. Um, I would also, I'm not sure how to frame this, but it's like celebrating each step of the journey. So when you listen to these huge artists talk about their journeys, it's it's very rarely like, and that was, there's the threshold where I made it. It's like, and I knew then that that was the threshold, like that I had made it. It's like, you kind of, 
at each step, it feels like, oh, I got to here, but now I, there's a bigger level. So mm-hmm. um, if you're an indie artist and like you're just getting started, like there's probably, you, it's most people don't feel like they ever really arrive. They always feel like they're still kind of working, but it's just a matter of celebrating every step that you take. So if it's like getting my first thousand streams, like that's a lot of, that's a great mark. Don't f- compare yourself to someone with a million streams and think that you're awful. Like look at that and be like a thousand, I got a thousand streams on this. So just celebrating each step um, and being consistent over a long period of time, I would say are two of the mindset pieces. Mm. I love that because um, that is a the miss, a missing piece that if it doesn't happen quickly, it's not worth it. Like there must be another faster way to get there. Or there must be like, I posted a few times and I didn't get the results. So I'm not going to post anymore. And you're reiterating and confirming like it's consistency. It's showing up. It's being present for your career. It's sitting in this driver's seat and, and really being in it for the long haul. And so doing that is investing in your career and investing in your fans and showing up and making art. And it makes a, that mindset piece I think is, is huge. I was not taught that, you know, I, I was just having this conversation recently where it's, I was not taught when they say no, like dig in, or when you don't see results, dig in, you know, I was like, Oh, well that must, that must not work. You know, it's like, it yeah. took me a long time to learn that you need to dig in more or keep showing up or stay in it. Cause that's the person who's like going to work harder or stay on the treadmill longer is the person who's going to win the race. Like that's how we have, that's how it works. So, um, to get like a little bit more granular and specific, you talked about one of the services you have are ads, uh, you know, running ads from Facebook, Instagram to Spotify. Can you kind, is that correct? The way that I yep. just, yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, can you, uh, can you kind of break down that process a little bit and share, I guess, you know, some broad strokes on that and, and what people need to know about that if they wanted to work with you or you know, look into that for themselves. Yeah. So I view Spotify as one of the best ways to do that get heard part of the equation to get your music in front of new ears. Cause mm-hmm. Spotify is, I think it's still the most popular streaming platform. And then it also just has a really good, well-developed algorithm. So they do a good job of pushing your music out. Um, once you start to get some traction, they will come along and give you extra boost. So mm-hmm. it's a really good platform if you're looking to be heard by more people. Um, so the ad service that I do, um, well back up there, people always have like, uh, they want to know what are the ways that you can get streams on Spotify? Um, there are again, a bunch of ways, but two of the primary ways are playlisting, um, and running direct ads to your profile. So there's a whole world of playlisting. Um, there are third party independent curators, there are editorial playlists, um, playlisting, in my view, is is still a good option, um, but it is not a very engaged source of streams because if you think about listening to a playlist, you usually have it on in the background while you're doing something else. Um, and you know, you if you are an artist and you get on a playlist, even if it's like a Spotify editorial playlist, most people who listen to that editorial playlist aren't going to save your song or remember that you exist in two weeks. Um, because they're just listening to it, hip hop, new hip hop on in the background. Um, so playlisting is a great source of streams, not a great source of longer term engagement. 
And so the ads-based approach, uh, by contrast, is a little bit more expensive per stream. Well, that's not true. It's a lot more expensive on a per stream basis. You will rack up the streams on a playlist and you can do it very cheaply. Uh, it will cost you a lot more to get the same number of streams with ads. But the cool thing about running ads to Facebook and Instagram is that you get to show them your artistry up front on Facebook or Instagram in the form of like usually a video. Um, and so they're getting like a taste of who you are as an artist typically. Uh, and then those people are like actively clicking a link to go listen to you on Spotify. Um, and so you're basically guaranteeing that they are interested specifically in hearing your song, your piece of music. And so you tend to see much higher levels of engagement with direct ads than you do with playlisting. I wanted to take a quick break. If you guys are looking for more information on music licensing, on live events, on our private sync community, please come on over to twoindie.com. We put on live events every year. We have a private sync community. We have a free 90-minute bootcamp that covers everything that you need to know about music licensing. It really gives you that jump start that you might be looking for. If you're looking for more resources, more education, more events to get involved in, please come on over to twoindie.com. Okay, and now back to the episode. In terms of that too, it just it feels that if you're sending traffic directly to your profile, the likelihood of them following you could have great ramifications in terms of future releases. Your release shows up on their release radar emails that they yeah. get, uh, so on and so forth. It just seems like it's, in a way, it's it's trying to more directly engage the fans and make them your fans versus like making them a fan of or getting them to to listen to something that might include something of yours that, like you said, it's not it's highly unlikely unless they're like, wow, that really thumps. I got to go check. What is this? Yeah, right. Rewind that play that again. You know, um, you know, you're you're probably not going to take you're not going to be listening to it with as much engagement intention and uh it's going to be harder for them to you know to turn them into a fan to turn them and to have that ongoing conversation with them because you'd have to they'd have to luck into listening to the same playlist again and and maybe in a context where they remember the song from the first time they listened to it and it's it just seems like a more direct way to go about it so it makes sense to me yeah totally and i i prefer to run ads to what I consider longer term assets. So I will run the ads. My favorite places are run directly to an artist profile. So like they'll hit the mate, your Spotify profile. Yeah. Um, and that is where the follow button is. So that tends to result in the highest conversion rate of like ad clicks to followers. If you run the ads directly to your profile. Um, and then my second choice is to run it to a playlist that you have created, usually of your discography as an artist. So like if you put out a new song, I'll have you make a, artist discography playlist and put the new song at the top and we'll send the ads to that playlist and they'll stream your song at the top. And then often they'll go and stream other songs from your catalog and often they'll follow the playlist. So then you start to grow an asset that the next time you release a song, you can put your new song at the top of that playlist and you already have built-in followers on that playlist. So yeah, it's definitely a longer term, more Mark. engaged play than playlisting. Uh, playlisting cool. is great just in cost per stream. Like it's, it is the most cost efficient way to get a lot of streams, but um, as are one of the best ways to get engaged streams for sure. I'm curious, John, with mm -hmm. this strategy in terms of, you know, language that people might want to use in order to, and I'm sure it's different with every artist because every artist is different. The genre is different. Uh, but in terms of 
just how to engage, how to capture somebody's attention right on the spot when you present that ad. Again, if there are any like broad strokes in terms of strategy that you might suggest in terms of what's something that grabs people's attention and might cause them to click and actually be curious about it. Yeah. Um, I actually think the most important piece is the visual. Um, so I, the campaigns that I'm running are video based, um, usually reels and stories and Facebook and Instagram. And the main thing is just having like some sort of interesting, arresting visual. Uh, it can be pretty broad. You'll hear a lot of ad gurus say that, uh, music videos or performance videos or something where it's your face works the best. Um, because you know, people like looking at other people's faces. It's a thing. Um, <laughs> imagine that. But, <laughs> um, so that it's a thing. <laughs> I have seen that that is most often the case. If you have a video featuring your face and you usually it's you like playing the song or like the music video for the song or something. Um, those tend to do the best. Uh, but I've also run some of my most successful campaigns just with stock, like kind of interesting stock footage. Um, so I don't think that it, if you don't have a music video or you don't have a, a live performance video that you love, like you could still try an ad campaign and that doesn't mean you wouldn't have success. Um, but if you just think like an easy litmus test is like, if I'm scrolling through Instagram or Facebook and I saw this, like, would it be interesting to me? And if the answer is maybe or no, then probably keep going until you find something else that's interesting that we might you know think oh this could work for this ad but we don't run it by that test it's like this is something that i might actually like to consume or i might stop and say hey this is really dope it's like how how are you going to get somebody else's attention if you can't even get your own yeah another practical thing is uh like uh, color grading so making the ad interesting colors um and then I haven't actually gathered data on this, but I've talked to people and I agree anecdotally videos shot outside tend to do better because it's just like kind of interesting. Oh, interesting. But, I, I love the word that you used in terms of, and I don't know if this was intentional, but arresting, like you were like, it, it, it's, it's like another way of saying engaging, but I'd never really thought of using the word arresting before, but it's like, <laughs> it's something that literally stops them in their tracks. Uh, is that, is that what you mean by that? Yeah, it was not a, it was not intentional, but man, the more I think about it, the smarter I feel. So maybe I heard that. I don't know, but, but you, I'm pretty sure you no, said I definitely that. Said, I said that. <laughs> pretty sure you said that, man. But I thought that was really interesting because it, it, it's like it's the difference between because all these like corporate worlds words engagement, like it, it's like something that really like shocks you, and it's like not necessarily in a in a crazy way, but it's like it's something that really captures your attention is got to be special in a certain way. And is that, Mm -hmm. it's a thing like as artists, like we all have that special creative spark that's within us. And when it comes to advertising, it just seems obvious to me and correct me if I'm wrong, that artists really need to utilize their unique, authentic creativity through the lens of what they do as an artist to make that case that really just in a way, like kind of reaches out of the screen, kind of slaps people across the face when they come across it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point too. That uh, it should align with the artistry because it could be something very like arresting. Uh, but if it's not related, if it doesn't fit the song and the artistry, then the type of people who click that ad are going to be disappointed when they actually hit the Spotify profile. So it should slap you across the face with the true representation of your artistry. 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be shocking or jarring in any necessary way, but it's if it, if it really hits you with that authenticity, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, uh, another thing is there's so many things that you talked about. We've talked about celebrating the journey. We've talked about buying into that bigger possibility of this idea of having a really thriving fandom that is quite possible for any artist any artist is out there at one point they had a thousand plays on their song it's just like one of those things one of those it's a threshold in a way uh Mm -hmm. some type of a uh, career or just like creative threshold that you're going across what are some of the things that you've seen with the artists that you've worked with just ways in which they've overcome some type of a threshold and gotten to that bigger place gotten to that bigger uh, number of streams more people showing up to their gigs because they're actually engaged in different parts of the country and when they go on tour all of a sudden they can get a few more people in that they never really played in front of before uh w- what's that been like working with artists and seeing that kind of transformation occur yeah i think it goes back definitely to the consistency piece um so a story that i an example that I like to talk about is one of my friends. It took him 10 years to get his first million streams on Spotify. He he's crowdfunded, I think at this point, like $70,000 for multiple albums. Um, and he's had like a very engaged core of fans almost from the beginning, but it took him 10 years to get to his first million streams on Spotify. It took him, I think two and a half years to get his next million. And at this point he'll put things out and, they can get to a million streams within a year. Like he can get a song to a million streams within a year. Um, so on that, on that decade plus journey, probably at each point he felt like he was going too slowly or like, you know, the build was wow. just not, you know, working, but it was just a matter of over 10 years continuing to do the things um, and push into it. So that's definitely one piece is the consistent consistency piece. I would say also like just to make the breakthrough, man, collaboration helps so much. Um, so uh, if you if you can open for people for shows, you know, like bigger acts that are coming through your city and you have relationships with the venue or with the booking agent or even with the artists themselves um, and you can open for bigger acts, that's a huge way to get to start to feel like you make bigger steps. Um, another really good tactic for that is literally like reaching out to artists that are maybe two or three, one, two, three steps above you and asking them if they would feature on your song. Um, and so then you can release it like as both primary artists. And so you get to tap into their larger algorithms and their larger, um, audiences and you get to be put in front of all those people too. Um, so I would say that is a really easy, well, I don't know if it's easy, but it's a really effective way to get through some of those breakthroughs where you feel like, man, I'm just grinding, grinding, grinding. Well, if you collaborate with people, that is a really easy way to kind of supercharge the process. Oh, I love that so much. And you really gave us like um, a way to, you know, it's that, oh, collaborate with people, but you're actually saying you can reach out to those people, you can find them. And I think that's also a stopping point for people is that 20 minutes of courage that it takes or to consider that these are options for you. You can reach out to these other human beings. And yes, you can even, you can even pay them. Like 
you can say, Hey, I'd love to have you perform vocals on my track. Like I'll pay you a thousand bucks. Like people spend a thousand bucks on ads, um, a thousand bucks paying an artist that you like for a vocal performance. Like, first of all, that's nice income for them. And like, it's a great opportunity for you to get in front of new audiences. So it's definitely something worth thinking about. Um, that's really interesting thinking about features as like advertising in a way. Yeah. Especially totally. if they're willing, I, I suppose like part of that would be you, you, they would need to release it in a way that engages their algorithm as well. So it, right. it, I mean, the ideal way is... where it's just like, you're doing a work for hire. It's like, there's no real point for that. Uh, but it's like, if, if it's something where there's that shared, engagement possibility sorry i can't use uh english language right now but (laughs) um but that possibility really it's like you said it's it can it's actually a a really strong way to grow and in a way that is like kind of not the thing that you instantly think of it's like throwing a bunch of money at something uh you know but doing it in a really smart way it's uh it's a way more fun way to spend money than paying for playlisting Yeah, that makes so much sense. Gosh, I love that so much. Gives me a lot of interesting ideas as well. I mean, you know, us being independent artists, it's so it, it's so fun to consider other ideas and thinking outside the box. And your story about consistency, your your friend client, where they just like really kept showing up. I think a lot of us, a lot of independent artists and creatives across the board, can see themselves in that story. Or how many times did you stop? along the way, different mm-hmm. points. And so here's your chance to like keep going. And where do you want to be from a year from now or even 10 years from now? And that's the name of the game in this game called life. You know, we just keep showing yeah. up for what we're supposed to be doing on this planet. So that is a powerful story to share. And the work that you do helping amplify artists messaging, not just in like get more plays and get that superficial number up, but like get people to see who you are and what gifts you have to bring to this world because that's why we consume art and um the holistic view of that you know or if people can't find you if you're not sharing and i love that you've really broken it down to creating the content so people can find you as well and um having that consistency in that what you're sharing is also what you have like the visual goes with it John, it has been so great to have you on the podcast. Would love all of our listeners to be able to find you. Where can they find you? Your website, your social media. Yep. Um, so my company is Two Story Media. The handle should be at Two Story Media. Two is spelled out. I'm like you guys. <laughs> Good distinction. <laughs> uh Story Media. That should be YouTube, Instagram, uh, X slash Twitter. Uh, yeah, all those places. Um, the website is twostorymedia.com. Um, and if you would like a song release checklist, you can go to twostorymelody.com slash song release checklist. It's three separate words. That's so generous. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thanks, John. For sure. Yeah, thank you, guys. A special shout out to Daniel Lim for providing this incredible music to our podcast and Kurt Hunter, our editor. Big thanks to our patrons on Patreon, Holger, Willebrandt, Carolee Garrison, Daniel Trilk, Ted Meyerson, Willow Speak, Mark Stone from the Dirty Country Band, Lisa Dunn, Gabrielle Taran, and Claire Heaton. We can't do it without you. Thank you so much for your support.